0: Hi everybody, I'm Seth Busby, editor of Flying Solo. Welcome to our weekly podcast where we step inside the minds and lives of soloists and small business owners. Today's guest is Vicky Lyon, founder of Sophisticated Cocktail Co. Vicky loves nothing better than whiling away a few hours sipping on cocktails with her friends. But when COVID hit, she turned that passion for entertaining into a new business. Her startup has put a sustainable spin on the goombags of our parents' days to serve up ready-to-pour cocktails made from premium ingredients. She's here today to share with us a little of her journey. Welcome Vicky, it's so great to have you on the show today. Thanks for having me. Ah, you're most welcome. Now, I'm wondering, given your business, were you the party animal growing up?
1: <laughs> well, I'm not going to lie, <laughs> I, uh, I did uh, do spend a lot of time in the lot, past couple of years probably doing R&D, so yes, I was probably the last one to leave, <laughs> the <laughs> first one to get started. <laughs>
0: What was it about the current state of the alcohol and cocktail industry that made you decide it was time for you to make your mark?
1: Well, I mean, I think there is, um, there's obviously some great competitors on the market at the moment, but um, up that, I think the explosion of the ready-to-drink cocktails um, for drinking at home really <laughs> only has sort of expanded into pr- pretty premium, decent range in the last two years, and I guess What I found was that, you know, I make a lot of cocktails when I entertain at home and if I go to friends' houses, there's always a lot of cocktails being made. Mm. Really, I always just felt to myself there must be an easier solution than standing all night and while we all like to make. I love making craft cocktails and I'm sure Mm. there's lots of people that do. There's also a lot of people that don't and that don't have the confidence, don't have the know-how, don't have the tools and don't really know how to make them but would love to serve Mm. them because I found that it's moved really from, you know, you go to a dinner party and everybody opens a bottle of champagne. First, and then you go to wine. There'll probably be a few other things too. <laughs> it moved every, every time I went somewhere. It was a margarita being served or a martini being served. Just everybody was serving some sort of cocktail. So I guess in my mind, I was thinking I'd really love to be able to make the simple cocktails that are nice to drink for anybody to be able to serve when they're at mm-hmm. home, or or if I'm going away for the weekend. You know, instead of taking two boxes of bottles with me, how do I simplify that process and, um, you know, give this the solution to everyone? And everybody knows how to batch a cocktail. And what we really did was just batched really nice recipes of cocktails into these sustainable um, goon bags. Yeah, the old goon bag. Um, the old goon bag. <laughs> <laughs> I've been told to call them a pouch instead of a goon bag, but I think you have to have a little bit of fun, so I'm going to keep calling them a goon bag. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I know there's always a bit of um, political correctness out there. They don't want to to say something.
1: Absolutely. I thought
0: it was about kind of goon short for flagon maybe.
1: Ah, Okay
0: was what I thought the original um, connotations of the word goonbag were, but I might be wrong.
1: <laughs> I, don't know. I should uh, have a look into that. <laughs> I thought about the the pre-existing. All I knew was I needed my branding. I, I kind of in love with the whole sort of 80s, 90s, the fluorescence, and just a bit of the vibe that was coming from that. And, mm. you know, part of the, the culture of my growing up in the 80s and 90s was my, you know, your parents or you getting drunk on a goon bag. <laughs> yeah. So it was really kind of for me a case of how do I bring this back into our lives, you know, in, in later on in lives when you've passed that phase of a goon bag for what it was worth in those days, and how do I put a sophisticated cocktail in it and put a spin on it so that you know we can resonate with it and it doesn 't mm. have to be about cheap and cheerful,
0: yeah, certainly your flavors are delightfully cheerful. How did you come up with? Which cocktails you are going to do for your small batch production?
1: Well, so my first one was definitely um, the first thinking was to do the gin martini because making my own gin martini with the barman for many years, <laughs> everywhere <laughs> I went, I was giving him my recipe and it was always a case of, you know, test, try and some said this was great and one said he'd put it on the menu and then there were others that were like, oh my God, she's just a pain in the ass, but I'm going to make it for her. And uh-huh. um, I guess, um, you know, having a group of friends that all like martinis and I knew I'd kind of hit the nail on what was the perfect dry gin martini and I thought I'm going to bottle that so if I ever go to a party or a You want to go to, um, you know, somewhere where you just want to have one or two martinis in a bottle as opposed to a big bottle of wine. I wanted to be able to have somebody to be able to serve that. And so that was the first um, drink that I decided to do. I wasn't sure how I was going to put that in the goon bag. So when I decided and finalized the products, I thought the margarita would be the first place to go. Because in order to make um, the margarita, for me, the key was to have fresh fruit inside the bag. So it had to be a fresh product. Um, It had to be premium products inside it. And, And you can't necessarily put fresh juice into a glass bottle that it's just not going to have the same effect. So for me, that was how we landed up in the pouches because um, it had a pressure flow tap, which meant that no ox- oxygenation would come into the bag once it had been opened and poured um, mm. nitrogen in those bags, which means it keep, keep the fresh product inside fresh. So the margarita then was the next natural step was, you know, everybody's drinking margaritas. Tequila is sort of everybody's kind of choice at the moment, but in order to differentiate my margarita from what was on the market as it needed to have the fresh. Juice inside, so that was the first point, and then I guess I was, um, I did a bit of you know testing and um, <laughs> lost you <She it>. did. <laughs> <laughs> um, and one of the things that I wasn't sure about was vodka because I'm, I've never been a vodka drinker and hmm. um. When I did focus groups, a lot of the youngest you really seemed to favor a vodka type drink. Mm. So in my research, I decided I would put together a cosmopolitan that wasn't going to be sickly sweet and that everybody could drink because it was vodka, but I wanted it to be low in sugar um, and a really nice-tasting drink. And when I you know, made my – my first Cosmo I was super impressed because I'd never drank it before and I thought this is the perfect drink so that was again that I guess was the next step was because you know if you weren't a tequila drinker what else would you drink and it would typically be a vodka drink so those were the two hero products that I launched with and then naturally an espresso martini came next the pina colada because there seemed to be a lot of um, people that were requesting rum-based drinks and then we had our old-fashioned which is become the most popular drink and is constantly sold out so we have to and he's very appropriately known named vintage Vinny like a true vintage he's not always available Um, and so we decided that was the kind of range that we would go with it it really kind of suits various different palettes but they're still quite mainstream and I needed them to be products that people you know would think about and typically buy I think at the point of us trying to establish the business we didn't want to go with anything too uh, unique or too fancy or too different I think that kind of stuff can come down the line but I think to establish ourselves we needed it to be a mass market product mm. um, premium in nature but still that you know everybody would want to drink so what were you doing before you went on this a great alcohol journey <laughs> totally different I was in um, advertising technology so um, I ran different businesses across um, Asia-Pacific um, which meant that, you know, I had a lot of involvement in terms of marketing and how you use digital media and social media. Mm. I worked for Vogue in my past life and um, a couple of places like that. So I've kind of had this um, background in digital media marketing, which really helped me get this product and business off the ground really quickly, but um, never really had the opportunity to market a product. So this has been incredibly interesting and a, a really great journey. I think I probably should have done this years ago. <laughs> <laughs> certainly a lot more fun.
0: So what's your, um, your tips for getting cut through because the market isn't saturated at the moment, but there it is certainly getting to that tipping point, given that Australia is a relatively small country, although a big nation of
1: drinkers. (laughs) Absolutely. I think, yeah, I mean, it it really, I think having your product needs to stand for something. And, And for us, that was about being premium, fresh, and sustainable. I think those were the three key things that I wanted, my product, how we wanted to differentiate ourselves. Mm -hmm. Most certainly um, we are, from a large batch perspective, we would be different in terms of we'd have, you know, a a level of alcohol that you wouldn't find typically in um, ready-to-drink cocktails, Mm -hmm. um, especially in the size and the format that we do. Um, We don't get any that have the fresh product on the inside. And there's not many of them that use the packaging that we do. And the reason for the packaging is obviously the sustainability of it. It takes away three bottles as opposed to one. Um, It means when it's transported, it comes in one pallet <clears throat> as opposed to 14 is what glass bottle equivalent would be. Wow. Um, it also means that it comes from, you know, recyclable materials. um, It has an 80% lower carbon footprint. So, you know, it has, it, it kind of, for me, it's about, tasting good looking good and you know at the end of the day you feel good when you've you know done something that you know is slightly you know you're giving back to something and if that is to the planet or the environment um and I'm sure there's a lot of people that not really thinking about I'm drinking this and I'm feeling good about saving the planet but I'm sure in the back of their mind they feel better as consumers for buying things that um certainly have making a difference.
0: Was that sustainable element always part of the plan?
1: Yeah so when I started um, you know thinking of the product and and that was one of the the things I said how do I differentiate myself I could go out there with another glass bottle range but that wasn't really going to set me apart I don't have a you know a background in the bar industry I don't um, you know have any sort of branding behind me so if I had to come out with a glass bottle range how was that going to be significantly different to what was currently being launched or coming out on the market and so So as part of those differentiators, I decided and I've always, you know, I care about the environment. So I think sustainability is always in the back of my mind. And so when I was looking into it, when I was thinking of the business, you know, there was certain key components that were really important to me. One was making it as local as possible. So I work with as many local providers as I can. Obviously, tequila, unfortunately, has to come from Mexico. Hmm. But in the instance where it does come from somewhere else, we buy it from a um, company that provides us the alcohol in a large format, which means it comes in 4.5 kilos as opposed to 700 ml bottles, and it works on a circular economy. So once we've used the vats, it goes back. Um, So I have thought all of that through when I put the product together. We work with a local farmer who gives us the local fresh, um, the fresh limes and cranberries that go into the product. We use local coffee providers, and then everything else outside of the tequila is also manufactured locally. So that was all really um, a key components of me putting the business together and so the bags just naturally for me felt like the right thing to do because when i started to do my research into it i found you know reading about how much it takes to produce these glass bottles as opposed mm-hmm. to seeing these um you know um these pouches, bags, goon bags, what do you want to call them, um, was, was just, ma- makes such a big difference. Yeah,
0: I couldn't believe it when I saw some of the stats on your site. Like, Yeah,
1: well, I mean, the, the thing is that if you think about all the wineries have actually been trying to do that for a long time, but nobody, I think because it's wine and because of the connotation of having wine in the goon bags, I think it has been a challenge for them to try and get the minds around the consumer about, you know, this is still very good wine in the goon bag. And so I faced the same challenge in that, you know I've got to convince the consumer that the bag isn't about being cheap and cheerful it is about being sustainable and it's about giving you the best product in the best format that I can and so just like all of those you know wineries and winemakers I'll have the same challenge on my hand to try and convince the consumer that um, just because of the packaging doesn't mean that it's any less of a product. I
0: think that people probably have no real idea because we're so focused on plastic and getting rid of our, our plastic in our everyday lives that glasses is always this great alternative to plastic. So I think people would be horrified if they realized just how many carbon emissions come from generating just one glass bottle. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, so so great that you've decided to go that sustainable route. So, so will you be, um, are you thinking, is it too early to be thinking about scaling it out to Widen the range?
1: Well, I think for now, um, you know, the next step for us is really to get that national retail level. And I think if we have, because of the format that we have, you know, it is a large style format, we have to bear in mind that it takes up quite a bit of shelf space. Hmm. So I think for now, once we have um, rolled out to a nationwide um, retail perspective, we will also get a better idea of what sells better in store. And then we can start to change the range as we feel it needs to. And absolutely, we will look to expand. We'll probably get quite experimental, we'll look at doing some sort of script subscription model <clears throat> where we can have, you know, con- customers um, subscribing and we can send um, experimental batches out so that we can get good feedback from the market as to what it is they want. Because mm. right now we have, and I mean, I, I guess the beauty of starting off as an online business is we get a lot of the data about the buyers and yeah. currently we have a roughly 40% uh, repeat business, which is, you know, incredible. It, it just means that the consumers tasting the product really you know, they're they sold on the concept. So it's it, the hardest part is to get them to buy it. It seems to be once they've bought it, it's easy to get the repeat business. And so Ooh. I think if we can use that model and, and, and flip it into a subscription model and uh, keep that repeat business coming back by offering things like experimental cocktails, new cocktails to those customers, um, we will start to be able to build out the range according to what we think uh, the market really needs.
0: Yeah, that's, that's right, isn't it? It's, you've always got to think of the customer experience and the customer feedback and then tailor from there, don't you?
1: Absolutely, yeah, and we've had some amazing feedback from the customers, which has been incredible. The The support has just been really amazing, which is, you know, I feel very grateful and thankful for. <laughs> and so you bootstrapped this yourself? Absolutely. Well, um, all on my own, threw in uh, about $15,000, <laughs> bought up all the alcohol and thought let's do a little test batch. Um, the most expensive part was the bags because we, in, in order to get the sustainability um, and the oxygenation or the pressure flow taps we had to buy the bags from the US Mm. and so uh, yep I uh, (laughs) took a leap of faith and put up my website had a little bit of a setback where the liquor license we were issued was an incorrect one someone decided to dob me in (laughs) and within a few days we had to pull everything down so um, we turned it into a wait list which actually just Worked in our favor really because we landed up getting a whole lot of signups on the website for people waiting on the waitlist for the first launch of the product. <laughs> sucked, so- sucked into that person who dobbed you in. Exactly. <laughs> so it serves them right. Karma. <laughs> We landed up with a, a really nice database, and we, um, our first, um, you know, sort of email campaign went out, um, brought back a heap of business, and literally from day one, we've been selling. You know, bags have been walking out the door. So it's it's been it's been a really good, great experience, really. What was the
0: most challenging element in getting the whole thing up and running? I
1: think that um, finding the. The right bags initially was, um, you know, for me. I don't come from this industry at all, so like everything I've done is I've, you know, I've I've had to find out myself. So, Mm. you know, finding out about contract distilling, so finding an actual contract distiller and finding bottlers and finding, you know, um, finding out about excise tax and uh, Mm. how to get suppliers and. I guess being um, new to it, I didn't really know how and where I was going to buy the alcohol from. So that was that was a challenge initially because a, I didn't have any reference um, to buy alcohol at that scale. Um, I also didn't know if I was getting it at the the pricing that I should be because I didn't have any sort of reference to it. So those were slightly challenging Um but in 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 general i think <laughs> the most challenging thing was trying to keep up with the orders because we launched 6 weeks before christmas and it was just mayhem because i was doing it all myself and all of a sudden i had orders that were having to go out the door and i guess the, biggest challenge was oh my god I hope I can keep up with it and keep getting the daughters out the door and we managed i say it was a challenge but it was a good challenge yeah
0: if those moments where you didn't actually have any knowledge like you know am I getting a good price for that alcohol or were there any times when actually your naivety was helpful
1: oh yeah totally I mean there's been I have to say there's been a lot of incredible help from the industry, from people I've only ever met over the phone. (laughs) Um, Some of them have just, the the information sharing has been incredible. I really have to say it's been an industry of people that seem to just want to help each other, which has been great. Now, whether that was because of COVID and how everybody was hit so hard, or if I have just been working in the wrong industry my whole life, (laughs) I was um, very, very pleasantly surprised at just how wonderful everybody was with um, sharing of information. So I was very fortunate that, I you know the people I connected with were very happy to help share and um which quickly you know helped me you know get on up to speed on what I needed to ask for, you know where I needed to go to what kind of pricing I should be looking at so yeah it's been um it's a naivety, yes, but um you know I think people around me um that yeah they it's an industry that I think has um really been supportive
0: and so you've got the online model happening, how challenging is it? getting it into the liquor stores?
1: Yeah, so that's. I think that's probably going to be my biggest challenge. There's a few reasons for that. One is the shelf life is still at a testing phase. So right now we have probably four months. Because we use a fresh ingredient, we don't add any preservatives to it. We're going to get to the point where we either have to make that decision or well, we don't go into the big retailers because we don't have a long enough shelf life, or well, we're going to have to add some sort of preservative to the product to mm. give it a longer lifespan. So that's the first challenge. Um, we have had a few come back and say the premium nature of the product doesn't quite fit the packaging. In other words, they just don't think the consumers will want to buy premium products in a boom bag. Totally understand that. Um, And I guess that's my role to try and educate the market and Mm. change the thinking and perception. So there will be those challenges. I definitely think so. I think the size of the packaging and it has to be inside a fridge. um, Also, when you walk into a a liquor store or a a grocer with a liquor section, it does, you can see how that can propose a challenge. So there, there will definitely be these challenges about, and hopefully, as we start to deal with more retailers, we'll kind of we'll figure a lot of that out. And
0: would you go direct to venues? Yeah.
1: Look, yes, we can actually fill. you know, we can make the products in bigger formats. So you can, you know, put them in 20-litre kegs if restaurants and bars would like Mm. to do that, Um, certainly can. I think, though, in a lot of instances, I mean, there's a lot of cases where they would use that, you know, like the smaller kind of restaurants that land Mm. up having to spin out, you know, margarita or espresso martini, and they don't have the barman or the skill sets to do so. This is certainly for them. I do think that there is probably enough products out there though to fit that market um so i'm not so i'm not 100 sure if we will go down that route um but if we had people coming to us you know because they like the taste or they like you know who we're working with the products then absolutely we could do that
0: and anything that you would do differently thinking back on those first crazy months <laughs>
1: I wish I'd had a lot more time to plan out those first six weeks because it was slight mayhem. (laughs) Um, but really I, I wouldn't take anything back. I think it has been a very exciting, you know, interesting learning experience that, um, I would you know, hope that a lot of people starting up a business would probably experience themselves because it takes a lot of time and thinking sometimes to put a business plan together and, and to run with it. And sometimes you think things through for way too long and you just never get there. And so this was really just a case of I had an idea and I was just going to make it happen. And I think that I would love to encourage other people to just whatever ideas you have, there is no loss in trying to make it happen. If it doesn't work, what's, you know, as long as you haven't put too much money in it, what, what is the worst that can happen? Mm. Uh, but the upside then is, is just so much bigger.
0: How would you have known whether to put the brakes on and call it quits? Did you have like a line drawn in the sand?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we thought we would the first the first month was going to be our tester. We thought let's see if we can sell fifty bags in the first month, and if we sell those fifty bags, then we can you know sit down, have a look at it, and think, right, how do we plan the strategy out? Hmm. Little did we know we'd sell fifty in the first week. So, (laughs) (laughs) was the you know I guess that for us was the thumbs up that we knew the product was working. Um, And I guess if it hadn't. And even if we'd only sold 50 in the first month, I think we still would have run with it. I think if we had um, sat with the bags, it was near Christmas time and nobody was buying the product, I think we probably would have pulled the the plug.
0: Any advice for anyone else that's going to go and bootstrap their business?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Just run with it. I think that, um, you know, find a, a business mentor if you can, somebody that can you know, sort of find whatever your whatever you lack um, in terms of skills and ability. Find somebody that can match that. I mean, for me, I'm you know I'm a marketer by nature and creative and a salesperson. but Where I lack is my, my administrative skills and my um, you know you know business side of things. And so, fortunately, I have you know people in my life that I could call on to help me with you know setting up things like zero and you know all administrative functions that I wouldn't necessarily have thought of. So if you're going to go in and do it, make sure that you know what your skills are, know where your downfalls are, and just find people that can help you and support you on that side.
0: Yeah. They they say you should always hire people that aren't like you. (laughs) You don't want a whole lot of yes people. You want other people who can challenge you and have other skill sets. So good advice.
1: Absolutely. You'd always want to have what you aren't.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) What about your well-being, given that you've had all this craziness as the business has scaled pretty rapidly? Yeah. How are you looking after yourself?
1: Well, I, I'm, I'm very I'm religious with going, so I have a gym that I go to every day and that's um, part and parcel of my day. I work everything around it so that I have time to – um, exercise and make sure that that keeps me sane and healthy. Um, and I make sure that I have a good balance in my life so I can work hard, but I play hard too. I drink a lot of cocktails in between making them. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, yeah, I mean, I try to keep a balance. There's obviously times where it's very hard to have that balance when everything, it just seems to be going, um, you know, crazy, but, um, I think I managed. I think I managed to keep a a healthy mindset. Um, It's at the moment everything feels great, so it's all going in the right direction, which means, you know, when you feel good in general, everything around you seems to fall into place. But yeah, I think making sure you have the right balance of exercise and family time and uh, social time is really important. The juggle. (laughs) (laughs) I've luckily been in big corporate careers my whole life so I've learned how to do that over the years you know I've really learned how to manage um family life and and my own personal kind of um social life with work life it's just been something that I felt from very early on I had to do if I wanted to be a mother and a working and with a with a good career so it was just something that I instilled in myself you know many years back
0: yeah it's what's good you've been able to find that harmony absolutely best of luck with the cocktails thank you so much i can vouch that they taste totally delicious
1: amazing were their bags empty by the time you left <laughs> <laughs> no i left
0: early because I, I had kids to pick up okay. <laughs> so, awesome thank you very much so it's been lovely chatting with you thank you too